Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. Bienvenidas, bienvenidos a Latino Stories. Soy Elena Fowles. My guest today is Robert Cavazos. Robert J. Cavazos is a poet and lecturer of English at Texas A&M University in San Antonio, and he also teaches at Northeast Lakeview College. He graduated from the University of Incarnate Word and North Carolina State University's MFA program. He has served with Teach for America and Gemini Inc. and has poems published in Quirk and Boundless. He is a winner of the 2022 National Poetry Month San Antonio. And here, please, Robert, help me with that word. Like frastic. Yeah. Poetry contest. Uh, congratulations uh, for you. this award and, and bienvenido a este episodio. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, tell me a little bit about growing up in San Antonio. Sure. So I, I grew up here in the, you know, as a kid in the early 90s uh, to 2000s. Uh, a lot of demographic change in the area with an exploding population in San Antonio and the surrounding metro areas. And so I think with that change in demographics, you, you get a lot more diversity in the area. Um, there's a lot more shift from the inner city to the suburbs as well. And so my father, for instance, who grew up on the south side of San Antonio, um, his father grew up on the west side. His parents before him grew up in Saltillo, Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of have this migratory pattern towards where I grew up on the northeast side of town. And I really enjoyed growing up there because there was a just a diversity of experiences from neighbor to neighbor that I interacted with um, in the neighborhood itself, at my church, at my school. Um, I, I didn't ever... It, it never felt out of place for me to be interacting with people from all all over the world, really. Um, and that's something that I think was both intentional and something just accidental as well. Um, starting with my parents themselves. Um, my father, as I mentioned, is Mexican-American, grew up here just like his father and his mother. Um, and then my mother grew up in Philadelphia. She was Italian-American, um, or she is Italian-American. Mm -hmm. um, she has some Jewish ancestry as well. And so... Getting that diversity of experience both at home and in all the other places that I interacted in with other people um, felt really meaningful for me in terms of my development and my my cultural awareness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I appreciate that um, experience of growing up into sort of two cultures, two backgrounds, right? Italian and mm -hmm. Mexican, because my family is similar to that. Even though I, I grew up in Mexico, I've lived a lot of time, you know, a, a large portion of my life and else, elsewhere here in the U.S. and yeah. primarily in Ohio. My husband is from Ohio, grew up, you know, there in the Midwest. And so he has that sort of upbringing, right? Yeah. Um, and you can see it very distinctly through food. Yeah. Um, and then for me, you know, as, as we're raising our daughters, um, we have a good mix of both, right? So in foods and traditions, um, I didn't grow up celebrating Thanksgiving and, yeah. um, and that was very important in his family, right? So 
So we integrated that into our own family now, but it has a very Latino flavor because the foods, even though you still have the turkey, you still have corn, they're not made the traditional way. They're, yeah. they, they're made with a Latino flavor and not distinctly Mexican either because, um, I've been, um, I've interacted with a lot of people from Latin America, a lot of friends from Latin, you know, different parts of Latin America. And so I've taken, you know, from their foods or their traditions and I incorporate into that into my own cooking. So it's funny when people say, well, so do you, do you cook Mexican food? Yeah. And I'm like, well, not necessarily. I, I know how to cook certain dishes, you know, Mexican dishes, but my food, um, I feel like it's not limited to that, right? So yeah, exactly. I can I can have, you know, carne asada, but then I make arepas, you know? And yeah. so those are like Venezuelan, Colombian, you know, uh, foods. And so it's, um, I, I do, I, I, I incorporate all, all of this different cultures and that's how my family is growing up. And I yeah. think that, I don't know, it's, um, well, it makes you, I think what you said, like more, um, aware of different groups, uh, different traditions yeah. and how you, um, dialogue with this, you know, and how you go, like, it's not so sad, right? Like we, yeah. we are fluid. We go in and out of different traditions, cultures, foods, et cetera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it gives you a, it just helps you gain a, a deep appreciation for all cultures, uh, multiple uh, religions, different types of culinary traditions. And yeah, it gives you that kind of flexibility and freedom to experiment um, more so than if I had just grown up with uh, both parents being from San Antonio, for instance. Mm -hmm. I think it, it would have, yeah, it would have kind of narrowed my understanding of of, of the broader society. Um, and with, with my family now, with my wife and I in our house, um, I think similar to, to what you were sharing with you and your husband, um, she, uh, her parents grew up in, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, she grew up in Dallas. And so she has this very uh, strong connection, I think, to the culinary traditions that her her parents instilled in her, um, the the language as well, which I didn't get as much with her speaking Spanish as her first language. Mm -hmm. um, so so those times of those types of, of strong ties that she has to the Mexican culture of her her parents um, really enriches my adulthood now, mm -hmm. and learning about things from my own culture that she's able to share with me um, is giving me just a, a new perspective and appreciation for it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, when did you begin writing, and did you always start writing poetry as the first genre? Yeah, um, I think even if I didn't know it, I was always writing poetry. Mm -hmm. um, starting just at a young age, my my mom would read to us a lot. Um, she would have us do a lot of artwork, a lot of reading. Um, she homeschooled us on and off in elementary school and middle school, and then pretty much all of my high school years were, were homeschooled as well. So I got a mix of public education, a little bit of private education, and then um, homeschool education. Um, so I, I was always doing a lot of reading, a lot of writing. In middle school, especially my English teachers, my mom included, um, did a lot of, of poetry um, instruction with me, um, including getting my first poetry publication in fifth grade. Um, I wrote a poem, submitted it to a, a contest for a youth uh, anthology, and it was really special to be able to you know, hold a physical copy of my poem printed in this uh, anthology with other uh, student student writers. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of those formative experiences that kind of led me towards poetry. In high school, I did a lot more songwriting and journal writing as well. Um, 
almost decided to do the singer songwriter route for a little bit until I tried it out for American Idol. Um, and then they decided to, I want to see a video about that. <laughs> that <laughs> I have addition. a few. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so just a diversity of experiences all clustered around this idea of, of language, of, of, uh, both oral written, um, spoken language. Um, I, I did choir for a little bit. So it was always kind of clustered around this idea of music, of, of lyrical, uh, expression of of myself. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what has been the center of your inspiration for the writing you're composed? Is it a season of life? Is it the experiences of others or your own? Or has there been sort of different phases? De yeah, definitely different phases. I think when I first started writing poetry in earnest, my freshman year of college, it was uh, as a kind of a, a very raw emotional reaction to the personal disclosures of many of my friends and a couple of people that I dated who experienced uh, child childhood abuse. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time my freshman year writing about that um, every single day, just pretty much nonstop trying to wrap my head around this, this serious issue that our city was experiencing and still experiences. Um, and then from there, I felt like I had all of that kind of out on the page and and, you know, starting my second year, I took some poetry classes, really started to enjoy the art form a lot and started focusing more on trying to figure out who I am, uh, you know, in addition to or maybe um, just kind of adjacent to all of these other experiences that I was writing, writing about the previous year. Um, so writing a lot more now about my identity, the, the different cultural backgrounds that my parents brought to my home mm -hmm. and that me and my wife now have in our own home. Um, has been really rewarding to to try and reflect on in my poetry, and then also thinking outward to the uh, to the community as well, the different volunteer experiences I've had, mm -hmm. the different students and coworkers that I've met along the the, the various years of my life here, um, just so a, a little bit of internal and external uh, influences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your experience of leaving Texas for a few years to pursue your MFA. And I'm asking you this because as someone that also has lived in different places and that, you know, has been, um, I guess, carrying these different experiences with me. You know, uh, I've been in the U.S. for almost 30 years and in the place where I've stayed the, the longest is Ohio. And so I couldn't think of, you know, my life um and even my experience as an adult, right, without thinking of Ohio and that that um, impact that that living there had on me. Yep. Um, and, and so even though right now, you know, I'm my new home is San Antonio, uh, there are those other places that are, are also part of what I understand as home for me. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have that same sense of those places staying with me. Um I forgot to mention earlier, but I also lived in Philadelphia for one year as a child. Mm -hmm. um, my mom went to live closer to family. So we went there, got to experience snow for the first time right. and some other just unique experiences there, the different food and culture. Mm -hmm. um, so experiences like that, where I just stayed in a place for a year or two, um, have made a big impact on my life even today, you know, 20 years later. Um, so in North Carolina, I went there for two years after, right after my undergraduate program. I wanted to keep going with my education because I was worried if I took a break, started working, I, I wouldn't go back. Um, so I just went from from age 18 to 24 straight through for six years. Mm -hmm. And I, I went on the advice of multiple mentors at Incarnate Word where I got my bachelor's. Um, and they recommended that I 
um, instead of kind of staying in my, my comfort zone, staying at home with my parents like I was for the past four years, I um, moved to a different state, get a better perspective on where I come from by getting that distance, that, mm-hmm. that temporal and that geographic distance. Right. So it was a good experience, a, a really good uh, learning experience. I, I grew a lot in those two years, but I also felt really homesick and spent a lot of money going back and forth to, to go visit my family mm-hmm. and my fiance at the time, now my wife. Yeah. Um, and also just kind of feeling like a, um, a minority in the, in my home country for the first time mm-hmm. where at San Antonio, I was very used and comfortable with, um, the just very diverse, um, group of friends and, and family members that I had. Mm-hmm. And then going to a place that felt a lot more monocultural and trying to figure out how to give the, the Wikipedia page entry of myself, <laughs> like as an introduction every time I right. go into a classroom. So right. it was just a, a little bit more, uh, kind of like, I mean, do a little bit more more work every time I go into those interactions in North Carolina versus being at home in San Antonio. Everyone's on the same page because they have those similar experiences to me. Right. Um, that that impact your writing too, as how you explain or how you sort of introduce the poem. I don't know, just something like that that had yeah, to absolutely. be a little bit more contextualized. I think so. Yeah. And on the one hand, that's a good thing because I think I made me consider more of a, of a broader audience mm-hmm. rather than just writing for myself and thinking about my my childhood and growing up in San Antonio and thinking, oh, okay, this is just a, this is an average experience that everyone can relate to. Right. Now I'm thinking, okay, people don't know what a quinceanera is or right. people don't know what a breakfast taco is. They might call right. it a burrito. So <laughs> things like that where I have to just um, think about the best way to phrase things that will appeal to a broad audience while also being authentic to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because first and foremost, I want to accurately rec- represent myself in my work, um, but also make it relatable. Mm-hmm. And so some advice one of my poetry professors gave to me is that um, the more specific you can get in your work, um, kind of in a, a paradoxic way, you're able to be more relatable. So mm-hmm. you, you get super specific, you, you don't want to lose your audience, but then you, you get specific enough that it becomes a very individualized, unique experience that people can relate to, um, even if they haven't had that same experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> what was your focus on the program here in North Carolina? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I did a poetry workshop every semester, and then also had the opportunity to take literature courses with the, with the MA students. And so I spent some more time in my graduate program focused on British literature, just kind of rounding out my my, my literary experience, and kind of in the hopes of that influencing my poetry and opening up different ways for me to express myself. Um, another really formative course that I took there was on linguistics mm-hmm. and learning about the different uh, the different dialects around the country, mm-hmm. even within North Carolina, which has a very uh, rich, diverse okay. linguistic uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that also helped as well, just exploring different ways to express my voice um, and, and even just kind of coming to terms with how my voice is is unique and um, how, how I can contribute to the other voices that are out there on the page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. Um, I read your poem, A Dance for Trinidad, and mm-hmm. I can see how San Antonio comes alive through your writing. In fact, all the poems, uh, La Frontera, DNA, Recipe, um, I read are South Texas to yeah, me, that yeah. they read like South yeah, Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you read uh, this poem for us? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Okay. A Dance for Trinidad. 
after the 30th anniversary performance of the Guadalupe Dance Company. Um, and one quick side note, my, my father's, um, uh, my mo- sorry, my father's mother's uh, maternal name is Guadalupe. So oh, okay. another little connection there. Um, a dance for Trinidad. The West Side Arts Theater buzzes with artists. Patrons clink drinks. Boots strike shag. Rich red folds recede to the heat of the lights. An Aztec troop stomps. and spun cloth swirls. The dancers fall. We shift quiet. An octet shuffles center. We peel envelops their frames. Born after Abuela's aneurysm, I feel her for the first time. Mariachi strum a beat. In a torn photograph, she glances. A wide sombrero holds back hair. An eagle lifts wide shoulders. A busy plaza washed in sepia surrounds her. San Antonio's downtown climbs up. Gleaming vehicles sit patient. Like all old photographs, time's lost. People missing. A blurred first dance. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's great. And it's even better to hear you read it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, how would you describe your work? Like now that you've had sort of, you know, well, you've been writing for, for a long time. I don't even know how mm-hmm. old you are, but you can be even 30. <laughs> My wife and I just, we both turned 27. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you have been writing for a long time, right? Yeah. And so how would you describe your, your work now? I think it's, um, yeah, like I said earlier, it's progressed over the years to talking about other people's experiences to circling back towards my own excavation of the self um, to now focusing a little bit more on what I see going on around me in the community. Um, and so with with poems like the one I just read to you, I'm trying to get at a way to place myself within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, after having gone through the experience of moving away for a few years, I also lived in Harlingen, Texas for two years prior to buying our first home together here with my wife and I. Um, and so based on those experiences away from home, growing up here at home, um, and, and now having a, a deeper sense of who I am based on my my cultural background, my educational background, I feel like I have a better sense of how I can combine that internal and external uh, perspective in my poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like that you asked me to read this poem because this, this is probably the best example I can think of where I'm, I'm being very, very um, introspective about my family background a very visceral emotional reaction I had to a uh, a public communal dance that mm. was taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's the perfect combination of my love for San Antonio, my my interest and my curiosity, and my love for my family, uh, kind of coalescing together at, at this emotional crux uh, of this experience that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, uh, Robert. What are you working on currently? Is there something on the you know, that you're planning to publish or what are you writing right now? Yeah, um, I have a few poems out there that I've submitted, got a few rejections this year, like always, but <laughs> I'm optimistic that I'll get some more publications. Uh, my latest publication was that um, contest that I submitted in response to a sculpture that was at Ruby City, a new museum that mm-hmm. recently opened up here in town. Um, so I was really excited about that. I got to read the poem at the Briscoe Museum downtown as well as part of a celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Poetry Month. And upcoming, I've just been doing a lot of drafting on kind of alternating between very uh, still, peaceful uh, depictions of domestic life, just experiences my wife and I have in our neighborhood, 
taking a walk, mm. uh, looking at the ducks at the pond, things like that. And then on the flip side, um, talking more about some of the social issues that are persistent and ongoing in the city. Um, one of the things that I've been kind of thinking about lately is just the the changing landscape of the area. Mm. I mentioned earlier that the there was this kind of migration from the inner city out to the suburbs in the 90s and the 2000s. And now you see kind of the opposite of that, where people are moving back to the inner city. Uh, but with that, there's displacement going on with the people that have been there for a long time. Um, and so that's something I recently wrote about um, in the context of muralism, something mm -hmm. that um, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm really excited about. The city has a lot of murals around town. Um, there's a lot of a lot of public art that's being put on display. Um, and in the context of that, thinking about the people that um, sometimes purchase these buildings and then they, we were learning about this in a recent presentation on campus where they, these, these new business owners will accidentally or purposely paint over these murals. Mm. And then the community loses that kind of cultural touch point that they have. So right, right. something like that is, is something emblematic of the changing demographics of the city and something that uh, I think needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Anything, any plans of venturing outside of poetry of, or that's your, your, that's your cup of tea? Outside of poetry. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I really enjoy teaching. Some things I'm, I'm interested in pursuing are, are poetry fellowships, mm -hmm. potentially, you know, studying at, at different universities as well. Um, but yeah, poetry is pretty much my passion. I think I want to keep doing that. Um, unless American Idol asked me to come back for to a second back. audition. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. tell you we were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> Robert, uh, muchas gracias por esta conversación. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.